passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the May edition of Post Pro Res. I'm John Pollock, joined by W.H. Park. W.H., how are you? I'm pretty good, John. Uh, staying indoors, uh, you know, going out for a walk once in a while, going food shopping, and that's it. Spending my time in quarantine here in Namazu, here in Japan. I feel you are like uh, Ric Flair at the end of the 1992 Royal Rumble after you finished Thunderstruck, and you went through you went through everybody, and then the big flop at the end, and then you just are, are holding up your your prized possession uh, with a tear in your eye after uh, a marvelous job on the, your Thunderstruck series. This is the greatest uh, episode of my life, John. The greatest accomplishment of my podcasting career. Put that, that cigarette out. I'm just holding the microphone for you. I'm the I'm the Gene Okerlund of the the tandem here. But uh, yes, uh, uh, congratulations on Thunderstruck. And later on in this show, um, we'll talk a little bit about your next series that you did touch upon on the season finale or the series finale of Thunderstruck. And we have many announcements to make on this show. The first one is that we have now got our first piece of post prores merchandise that is available now at store.postwrestling.com. A beautiful design coming our way, courtesy of our friend Robert Pearson. And this is a great-looking shirt, WH, if I do say so myself, which I had nothing to do with this. Well, I, I kind of suggested the idea to Robert about using um, what we call ukiyo-e-style wood, woodblock art prints. And there's a very famous example of that kind of art called the Kanagawa Wave. And I showed it to him. I said, maybe if create a logo or something and then i didn't know he was going to make it for a t-shirt and then he showed it to me and i was like oh that's perfect that's that's exactly what i was thinking about and so i think robert's really like hitting a stride with the t-shirt designs the one for the rocky Miva, my rocky my via picture show beautiful just so such a perfect t-shirt for that show for nate milton's podcast about rocky my uh you know uh movie career and then this one i, I don't know what's next for him maybe we got to get him to do something for for the British wrestling experience, John. That that might be uh, ne- next on the list. Robert Pearson, a super, super talented guy. But that shirt is available now. So uh, you can go check it out. Store.postwrestling.com. Uh, it comes in black and navy blue, which uh, I really like the, the navy blue design. Uh, the, b- both look uh, great. So, hey, if you want to. Well, you, well, you know what, John? Like next time you and Wei are in Japan, if that, if that ever happens again, uh, we'll, we'll all wear them to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then I'll I'll get on my phone and I'll message WH who has abandoned us and gone to sit uh, in in the alcove of the Tokyo Dome. Uh, you you will never go to the Tokyo Dome is my my conclusion that I took out of that that trip. Uh, it's very unlikely that I will ever do that. If you guys are wearing t-shirts, 
I'll, I'll go. I'll go just for the one night. I'm not going both nights. I'm just going to go for the one night. Probably just the first night. Yeah. I mean, think of that venue right now that's just got to be dormant, nothing happening, just uh, empty. Like this is when, you know, baseball would, would be going on. You'd probably have your, your concerts and such and just just empty, much like probably yeah, all the buildings. Well, not 2AW Square, John. That is now the epicenter of professional wrestling here in Japan. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a, a quick update on kind of where all these companies stand uh, amidst the pandemic. But um, j- just an update on yourself, WH. How, how is life going? How is uh, everything day to day? And how has that adjusted since the last time we spoke? Um, it, it's okay. I mean, I'm just a little bored. I think that's kind of the, the, the consensus among many people in the world. Uh, you know, just not being able to do anything due to safety concerns and health concerns. And I go day to day. It's like my, my big thing, my big takeaway, John, is that I don't know what weekends are anymore because I'm not working yeah. at all, but I'm still getting paid for now. But I, I don't know how long that's going to last. But and then kind of have to see where that goes as far as like the status of my company. I'm hopefully going to go back to work by by June. We'll see. Um, if not, then I don't know what the next move is. But as far as that goes, you know, uh, that aside, I, my day to day is kind of like I wake up, I go for a walk, you know, I, I, I get some food, you know, I, I, when I go to the convenience store, John, I, I take into wearing like disposable plastic gloves yeah. and I just spray my hands before I go in after I come out. And then as soon as I get home, I just wash my hands <laughs> thoroughly for like 30 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, this is my new reality for, for the, the foreseeable future. And it's just, it, it can wear a bit on your mind, I, I feel. But all in all, like, I, I think I'm doing better than most people. So I can't really complain that much. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to see it now that the weather is getting much nicer here in Toronto, you're starting to see people that okay, we've been indoors for the majority of seven weeks. And, you know, you're, you're starting to see a lot more people now out at, out on the streets. So it's, you know, you, you have that concern while at the same time, I, I think it's only natural that the people, you know, you have to get outside. You have to be able to do uh, some things. But I, I think that you're that that patience is certainly wearing thin. I, I would get that sense from at least in my community. Yeah, definitely. You know, Japan just declared like the, they're going to extend the uh, state of emergency uh, here. Uh I don't know until when. So a lot of the, the, you know, the kind of like the entertainment centers are closed in terms of like, say, a lot of restaurants are closed. Most restaurants in my area are closed except for takeout. You can do a lot of take getting, go up to the, the, the restaurants and say, I want to get lunch for takeout. I want to get dinner for takeout for pickup, sometimes even for delivery, which is nice. We don't have Uber Eats here, John. So it's, it's more a case of I have to go out and walk to a local restaurant and say, oh, I want to order this and this to take home. And sometimes that local restaurant is maybe 30 minute walk away from my apartment. So, but it's, it's, it's a good excuse to get some exercise. So I'm not complaining too much about that either. Yeah. I, I have a friend that works for Uber and he was talking to me about, you know, kind of the divide that some people have had about Uber Eats because they do take, I think the number is around like 30% for the like delivery orders. And the argument would be, well, can these small businesses afford to have x amount of people there to to do delivery services like that uber is able to take that off of you like is that 30 percent worth it or not because these these smaller um places that are just staying open through takeout you know they're struggling as much as anyone and it feels like uber eats is something that it's it's 30 percent, but it's it's kind of necessary because that is 
people's like go to when it comes to get it getting food now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to do a lot more home cooking, but I'm trying to minimize the time I go to a supermarket. Um, you know, like there's not that much social distancing in Japan, I'm going to say, John, like I go to a supermarket and people are kind of, you know, conscientious about staying apart. But at the same time, like there, there's times when like someone's behind me in the line. I'm like, hey, get the fuck away from me. What are you doing? And it's like some old lady. And it's like, especially in that case, I'm like, you, you got to be more careful, man. Like this is not a good thing for you to be doing is being so close to anyone. But it is what it is, John. I'm just surviving. But, you know, I got to say, as far as like keeping track of time, the, the big thing that helps me keep track of what day it is, is like your podcast schedule, you and Wei is like, OK, it's my Tuesday. So it's time for Rewind Raw. It's my Saturday morning. So it's it's time for Rewind to Smackdown and then, you know, Rewind to Dynamite. So I listen to everything because it's my way of keeping track of what day it is during the week, John. It's a. Uh... We're, we're the unofficial calendar. That's how we can uh, we can keep everything straight is just through through shows that we're doing. Uh, so let's just go through like the latest on some of the major companies. Uh, New Japan at the forefront. They don't have any shows scheduled and they have not been running since February. And, you know, they've just been slowly taking shows off the schedule. And I guess the next uh, slate of uh, well, next tournament that I expect to fall is best of the super juniors that they haven't officially announced is off. And Wrestle Dynasty that I just – WH, I cannot fathom this show happening in August. Who's going to want to go to New York in, in August? Nobody. Like they're, they're not even going to open the borders by August. So I don't know. I just like, – I can't, they... I can't imagine like the, the best case scenario that they would be opening up – um, you know, for an international company to come over and to open this arena up to to fans, I just, I, I just think it's the inevitable that the the show is going to get moved. I, th- I just can't, I cannot possibly fathom that one. And if they do the best of the super juniors, which I don't think they will, but if they do it, I think it might be one of the. Uh, actually, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the case of like it would be the first maybe super juniors with no foreign talent at all because they they the borders here are closed as well so I don't know how anyone could fly in if you're not already in the country and the only person that I know is for sure still in the country is Zack Saber Jr. and he's not a junior heavyweight anymore yeah nor is uh, well Osprey Osprey's where right now he's in Japan isn't he or is he back UK. he's back in the UK okay gotcha because he live he lives in he Japan would, now he went back I think to like shelter at home maybe that's right that's right that's when when they did that that first uh wrestle talk did that empty arena show and and they've been there right so yeah i i can't imagine best of super juniors will be happening either um all japan uh we're gonna get into they ran a show this past week and then they're gonna be coming back with another show just in, in a couple of days on tuesday they're gonna be running another empty arena show that'll be headlined by suwama and shuji ishikawa against kento miyahara and Yoshitatsu. So we'll talk some more State of All Japan uh, later in the show. Um, Noah, what's going on with Noah? Wh? They've got they just finished their Global Tag League, and they've got several shows that are planned coming up uh, with no fans. So they just been running these empty arena shows in some secret location, some secret studio in Kawasaki. John, I'm I'm thinking it's like part of their uh, headquarters because I think they're headquartered in in Kawasaki and. Um, they just ran their global tag league and, you know, say what you will about, you know, like some empty arena shows, you can kind of 
immerse yourself in them. I think All Japan actually is one of the few companies I think has done a really good job with the last two shows of, you know, you can kind of ignore like how how there's no fans in there because they they actually use the wrestlers on the rosters once they're done. Yeah. They they become part of the audience. It's like, well, the genie's out of the bottle, uh, you know, so I think that's their their mentality and so like, well, you just put them in the audience, make give have them create the atmosphere and, you know, say what you will about that, but it, it works in the sense of like it it makes these shows feel like more lively. Uh Noah had nothing like that at their Global Tag League, you know, shows and it was really kind of a stale environment and and if you're gonna watch this i i recommend just skipping the the first two days and just go from day three on and and watch the the axis matches uh go shizaki and katsunakajima's team uh watch the the matches with um uh, marafuji and uh uh mochizuki who were the tag champs at the time and surprisingly and these guys ended up winning the whole tournament was uh, el hilo del dr dr wagner jr and rene dupree you know atlantic canada's favorite son uh winning the tag team titles winning the tournament and winning the tag titles and they were you know i didn't have much you know hopes of having of watching them having any expectations of having them having good matches but they were actually a very solid team john and i quite enjoyed a lot of their matches i think one of the things was because uh, i like Dr. Wayne Jr. Jr. And Randy Dupree is just kind of like this, you know, like kind of blank canvas, I think. And a lot of the times when he's been working in Japan, he's been given like a heel character. This time in Noah, he's just a wrestler. So he's getting to show off that he's actually a pretty solid wrestler. He's not going to, you know, make Matt wrestler of the year or anything like that, but he's a good hand and like he can have good matches when he's in a tag team setting, I think. And when he's allowed to just, be a wrestler and not have to worry about being a character. When he was like 1920 and first got called up to WWE, I was really high on this guy. I was like, okay, he's, he's, he's green. You can see that, but he had, it was like this guy in five years could be like, he has every ability to be like their next, you know, Randy Orton or someone that they, they bring up and, you know, matures into a great talent and just, he was definitely called up way too early and kind of fizzled out and kind of didn't do too much after WWE. And I remember it was like two or three years ago. Was it not you that I was with at uh, at a Smash Wrestling show? And we ended up we were we were maybe it was somebody else I was with. But there, there's this guy sitting like like three seats down from us, and he's like this Jack dude. I was like he's clearly a wrestler, but I'm not recognizing this dude. And then I get a look at him, like it's Rene Dupree who's just like sitting up here. I don't think I was at that show. We were, I was at the show that had like Saber and uh, uh, Jack Gallagher on the card. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of the uh, different show. But anyway, um, so how, how did he? How did he look in in this tournament? Well, no, he he's in physical his physical condition is like amazing. He looks great. Um, and then yeah, he's just wrestling, John. So it's it's like he doesn't have to do anything stupid like pretend to be a heel which is really tough to do in japan i feel like especially in like a setting of like noah or or all japan where it's like well i gotta pretend i'm evil in this setting when it's like i just want to see you wrestle dude that's all i want to see you can be kind of a bastard you can kind of be mean but i don't like when people try to be villainous or like you know twirling their mustache type of heels in in japan Mm -hmm. i don't think it really works he didn't do any of that stuff and he looked really good very solid and he's teaming with another like legacy wrestler in dr wagner jr uh the third i i I call him different names john don't don't mind me but dr wagner Wagner jr Jr. is fine 
Yeah, I, I like Dr. Wenger Jr. Like those two really gel really well. I think they're they're making a point of trying to create like tag team moves, like double team maneuvers and things like that, which is which is cool to see. And uh, you know, they're part of Sugiera Gun, but they don't feel like they're part of Sugiera Gun because like those guys are all shooters for the most part, and these two are anything but shooters. And I gotta say, Dr. Wenger Jr. I really like him. I think he's evolved a great deal since working for Noah. The first time I saw him live, he was teaming with his father, the original Dr. Wagner Jr. And they were working for stardom because like Dr. Wagner Jr. had a relationship with Rossi Ogawa and they were doing some stardom shows. But then from there, he moved over to, to wrestling Noah and it's been the best thing for his career. I think just getting to work guys like Nakajima and Shizaki and Marafuji and, and, all the other people on the roster has done wonders for this guy. And it's, and, and I got, I have a lot of high hopes for this tag team. If, if they can, you know, still, I think they're still in Japan. I don't think they've left. It would be really foolish of either of them to leave. They still want to work for Noah. Yeah. So Noah's coming back next weekend. They've got, they're running a show on, on Sunday this weekend. And the next weekend, they're running a fairly big show with, uh, Takeshi Sugiura and Katsuhiko Nakajima for the national title, and then a junior heavyweight tag title with Hayata and Yohei versus Yoshinari Ogawa and Kotaro Suzuki, and another show the following day that's going to have Muda on it, teaming with, uh, is it uh, Marafuji against uh, Sakuraba and Masaki Mochizuki? Yeah, so former tag champions are on opposite ends of the, the mat, and it's, these should be good shows. Like, I'll be honest, John. I, I'm not overly excited about a lot of these shows. Uh, did you get to watch the, uh, the the April 19th show, The Spirit? No, I haven't seen that. Okay, so if you watch this show, it's really weird. Like, it's the weirdest show of this tour because everyone around ringside. Oh, so I, I saw staff, I saw some highlights of it. So yeah, the, 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 yeah. Describe what the the cameramen are all like uh, dressed up in. Well, they're they're wearing essentially you know, like what you would consider like hazmat suits, right? They're wearing like, uh, you know, some kind of protective material in terms of like their pants and their, and their, their tops and they're wearing hoods and they're wearing like face masks to cover their mouths. And this is also, you know, the same for the photographers from like the different publications that are covering this show. And that's it. Everyone else, like all the ring boys, nothing. The wrestlers, obviously, they're not wearing anything protective. The referee, nothing protective. The the the, the ring announcer and the timekeeper, nothing. And it's just weird. It's like, well, if you care about all these other people, you should care about these. And if you're going to these measures to protect these people, maybe you shouldn't have these shows. And I, I have this kind of dilemma with myself, John. It's like, I don't want these shows to happen, to be honest with you. But, you know, I'll, I'll watch it, you know, to, because like, to do this show with you i have to you know watch stuff and yes when i watch these things do i get immersed in them sometimes if it's a really good match yes but at the back of my mind i'm, I'm just thinking are these guys safe i hope no one's infected and i hope no one's spreading this and god forbid like there's a cluster that happens in any promotion but you know at the end of the day like if they said none of us are going to run any shows at all empty arena or regardless i would be perfectly fine with that john i really would yeah, and that's and we're really entering that stage now because it's at a point where you know so many companies and this goes beyond wrestling for sure. It now becomes this like the this argument. It's it's science versus economic decisions that you have to make where it's it's choosing what is 
what is going to be less harmful to you? You are either putting yourselves into a risk for your health or you're you're damaging yourself financially. And that's kind of where a lot of these companies are. And that's why, you know, there's others that I think can certainly withstand this more. But we're also like we'll get into Big Japan in a minute here. Companies that uh, like literally are it's hand to mouth at this point and are are trying to run in in any form that they can. But it's very concerning. And I think with wrestling, it's, you know, you bring up that example where, yeah, it's it's making you ask just these fundamental questions. Like if this is the protection required just to be a ringside photographer, then why are we even entertaining the idea of placing people that we cannot provide that kind of protection for? It's like when I, I would see on any wrestling show and instead of, you know, they do like the elbow bump. And it's like, okay, I understand like they're uh, – conforming here to you know what the societal norms are right now instead of handshakes it's like okay we'll bump elbows but this is seconds before i'm watching a professional wrestling match and it just makes you question like okay we're in a society where we are we are removing ourselves from shaking hands because of the risk factor and i'm watching professional wrestling matches so it's uh, to me it's very hard to just separate the two and watch these shows in a vacuum and and not just ask those questions. You hope that thus far there have not been any cases of pro wrestlers getting the virus, but it doesn't mean that concerns can be completely alleviated when you're hearing from all of these scientific experts that are giving you like some pretty clear-cut guidelines. I think statistically, if they keep running shows, like it's going to catch up to them. That's just my, you know, grim forecast about about that situation, John. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's certainly the concern as these continue. Um, Dragon Gate, they last ran, I believe it was April fourth in Kobe, and they've canceled all their shows through the end of May. So they've been they've been pretty quiet during this period. I think Dragon Gate is one of those companies where. They're using their streaming service like really well because they're just uploading like archive footage from like their early history that has never been presented in, in HD, John. And like I know online, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, these 2000, 2001 shows that have, you know, used to be on, you know, Gara on, you know, you know, the, the Dragon Gate TV show on Gara that they've never been on HD. I've only seen them on like, you know, on VHS or or, you know, DVD, burned DVD copies. Now they're on HD, like, and that's, I think, driving a lot of maybe new subscriptions. And I think they're a company that's been relying on using their streaming service to really, like, bolster their finances in, in these in these times. And it's really smart because they're giving people what they want, which is, like, okay, like, content, old content you've never seen in this format and at this quality and like I know, like people from the Open the Voice Gate podcast, Mike Spears and Case Lowe, were, were saying to me, like, I like WH. If you've never seen this stuff, I know, like, because they know I'm a fan of, you know, Dragon Gate from that era. Like, you should watch it. Like, this is better than anything you've ever received in the mail. And I'm like, okay, so like I'm already subscribed to Dragon Gate, so like I'm I'm going back to watch these things. And like I haven't watched the full show, but like just snippets. I'm like, my God, this is really good. So. Dragon will be okay for the foreseeable future, but I do think they're probably going to do an empty arena show again at some point just for new content to put on their streaming service. 
Uh, Stardom, uh, they had announced prior that they had canceled their shows up until uh, May the 6th, uh, coming up this week. And they've been doing a lot of, like, different style of programming. Uh, this past week, they did a, uh, a, a, a cooking segment with Hanakamura. Uh, today, you can do aerobics class at home with uh, Jungle Kiona. It's tremendous. Like, um, and they're, they're a company that I was really surprised that they were still running shows up until when they did because they're owned by Bushiroad and Bushiroad mm-hmm. pretty much like put the kibosh on any New Japan events back in February. And it's just like, okay, why doesn't, why don't they do that with stardom? And they finally did it. And I, I think, you know, the appeal of stardom is that they're what we call idol wrestlers. So, you know, the fans are interested in, you know, maybe seeing more, you know, their daily life and like seeing the, the talents being treated like safe, safely and being at home. So I, I think, you know, it's good content for, you know, whether it's their YouTube page or stardom world, that these are things that, most companies should be doing it's like okay you can't have them wrestle you shouldn't have them wrestle have them do things where it's going to draw fans in and a lot of fans are invested in these wrestlers as as people whether it's you know joshi wrestlers or male wrestlers uh big japan is not in a great way at the moment they have been running quite a lot of shows during this whole pandemic and they have recently suspended their their shows and they have now set up a, a crowdfunding site where they're attempting to raise 10 million yen and so far they have raised over 3.3 million yen which translates to almost uh $19,000 US and this is a site as well from my understanding you have to have a physical address in Japan in order to donate to this so this is coming from Japanese residents as well. Um, what's the state of Big Japan at this point, uh, WH? And are you surprised that they have found this level of support uh, just in the first uh, 48 or so hours since they launched this this crowdfunding site and other smaller companies maybe going this direction of going to fans for financial support? All J- oh, sorry, Big Japan, they're st- – on their last legs to be quite honest with you and i i don't like to say that they're not my favorite company by any stretch of imagination but i do like the wrestlers that work there for the most part and and i've been to their shows and one thing i I will say like you know when i talk about going to these live events for big japan like there's a really great atmosphere created by by the wrestlers amongst themselves and between them and their hardcore fans who go to all their shows and it's it'd be a shame for that to, to go away but they were running shows like with people john yep like after everyone else has stopped and i think it created a lot of ill will towards them and like i know like on on japanese wrestling twitter like japanese fans were like you know would see tweets from either the official you know twitter page of big japan or from different talents tweeting about oh we're, we're going to this city and people are like why are you going to this city why are you having shows with fans and like i think like the the big you know, backlash came from when they when they were tweeting about going to Hokkaido, which is like which is one of the highest infection, you know, sites in Japan for the coronavirus. And like people were just like apparently really upset about all this. And yeah, so like I think that created this backlash where maybe people were not interested in supporting them, whether buying merchandise online and things like that. And as far as the the crowdfunding campaign i'm i'm surprised and i'm not surprised john like at the same time it's like i think there was a bit of a backlash towards them but you know at the same time like their their fans are super passionate Mm -hmm. but like i i don't think like how long is that gonna last like say they raise like the equivalent of like thirty thirty thousand dollars 
US, okay, in, in Japanese yen. Say they raise that much. How long is that going to last them till they have to do another crowdfunding source? Because I don't see wrestling coming back in Japan anytime soon, John. I, I really don't. And then what? I, I, I feel like if you want to support them, please do so. Like, am I going to? I'm going to say, no, I'm not. Because like, I think it's a drop in the ocean. It's like dropping like a glass of water into the ocean. It does, it's not going to make any difference in the long run. Like, unless, you know, Japan opens up again. Japan, Japan is probably not going to survive at, till the end of the summer. It's not. And, and I'm sad to say that, but that is what it is. It, it's, it's the reality that you are going to see companies that are going to be either significantly crippled or outright, you know, ended in this, in this period that, I mean, the, the next step becomes as well, like, and, and you wonder, like, would there ever be a trickle down effect to the level of a big Japan, but Things like government subsidies for for sports and entertainment outlets and where that falls under the priorities of a government when it comes to rebuilding an entire economy and multiply that by every every country out there that is going to be um, asked for similar help um, that you know we're, we're seeing everywhere at the moment. Uh, there are there are going to be companies that I feel it's it's going to be hard to come back from this. Um, just ending off here, DDT, they canceled their big Peter Pan event. Uh, they were running a show this weekend. Um, and then Zero One, they've got a show listed uh, actually for today uh, on Sunday uh, with Kohei Sato versus uh, Chris Weiss. And that's kind of the roundup of uh, shows. But that's that's kind of the state of things, WH. As you look into your crystal ball, what, what do you see the summer looking like for um, when it comes to Japanese wrestling? I... I think it's the same. I think you're going to see these like mid-level companies like Noah and All Japan and DDT. And eventually I think Dragon Gate's going to come back. They're, they're going to be running shows like in these empty arenas. Like DDT is doing this idea of a weekly TV show, like, you know, just to write content for their, their streaming service. And I think to fulfill some of their, their, their television contracts as well. But I, do I think we're going to see a show at Cork and Hall anytime soon? No, I, I, I don't think we're going to see shows until next year, honestly, John. Like that's, I'm having a very fatalistic approach to this, maybe, maybe very pessimistic. But do I think I'm going to go to a live wrestling show anytime before 2021? I, I don't think so, no. Um, since we uh, last spoke, um, a number of representatives from different companies uh, went to uh, speak with uh, Hiroshi Hase, the Japanese Minister of Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology, and kind of came as a united front and talking about uh, the need for uh, testing and also for um, the ability to keep some of these companies running and looking for uh, financial aid as well. And a lot of focus was placed upon uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who gave a, a, an interesting statement about wanting pro wrestling to actually be the last sport that comes back because it would be a signal to the population that everything is restored, um, given, you know, pro wrestling being, you know, the final sign that things have recovered. And then you also got uh, Naomichi Marafuji, you know, painting, you know, a realistic but pretty tough picture for Noah that even under under Cyber Agent, you know, there's the concern that, hey, if if we're not making money, then none of us get paid and we have to be running right now because that's how this company is going to run. And, you know, it's just a, a reminder that just because you have an enormous 
company that is your parent company doesn't mean that you're going to be able to absorb these, you know, losses of revenue any easier. It just may be a little more prolonged, but it's, um, yeah, this was, this seemed to get a lot of attention a couple of weeks back when it occurred. I think with Tanahashi, he has the luxury of being able to say something like that Japanese wrestling is the last thing to come back because he works for the biggest company and he's been the biggest star of the biggest company in Japan for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. That's not to say I don't disagree with this message. I, I agree wholeheartedly with it. I, I think you have to slowly bring back, you know, other events before you should bring back wrestling because, you know, it, it, you know, in Japan, like you know, wrestling is very popular, but it's not like it was back in the, you know, the eighties or nineties, John. And, I, I don't really feel like, you know, wrestling is a priority, even that, as a lifelong wrestling fan as myself and someone who covers this for for this podcast and, and for, you know, for other things as well. Like, I, I don't necessarily need wrestling to come back because I, I want these people to be safe and they are in contact constantly with each other. They're breathing on each other. They're sweating on each other. Like, so I can see where that's probably what's weighing on his mind is like, I don't want to touch anyone because I have a family. I have kids. I don't want to affect my wife and my, my kids back home after coming, after having touched someone else who may or may not be affected. Because you can't control what people do outside of when they're wrestling, John. They could be like going out. They could be meeting people. You don't know. You can't control this stuff. So I can see where he's coming from. And, and I really feel like I think it's the nature of wrestling that it's such a heavily, you know, there's so much heavy contact, physical contact with one another that it's like, hey, we're the, at the most risk than anyone else, you know, not not basketball, not baseball, not soccer. Professional wrestlers are at the highest risk of contaminating each other, infecting each other. Uh, how much of the All Japan show did you see from uh, this this past Thursday? I watched the entire thing, John. So it was uh... – I really liked it. I thought it was a fun show. I thought the show back on April 6th at uh, Shinkiba First Ring was better because I really thought that Shinkiba First Ring is probably the best empty arena venue that you could have. And like I said before, they had roster members who had finished wrestling go be part of the audience and they created noise. And you and I have both been in that building. You can see where like just a f maybe at like, you know, five to 10 people, you know, making noise can really carry throughout that building and really create a more lively atmosphere as opposed to most empty arena shows. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, they had several photographers and camera operators ringside. And then, as you mentioned, like they would have people cheering from the crowd, very similar to what AEW has been doing with their shows that, I mean, it does add an atmosphere to it. Um, and, and I, and I thought it even worked better here than on some of the AEW shows where I don't feel like I don't, I don't notice the the chanting. I guess it's there. It's just not registering with me as much as it did here, where it did, it, it did help just to have some noise and reaction to some of the moves. So I got to make a note that this show uh, from the thirtieth, John, is not from Shinkiba First Ring. This is from Two AW Square. So this is the 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 dojo studio of the promotion Two AW, which came out of the ashes of you know Takamichinoku's K Dojo, which split off into Just Tap Out, which Taka runs, and then everyone else kind of formed this company, uh, Advanced. Uh, what, what is their Advanced Action Wrestling Two AW? And this is their studio. Um, usually it looks better than this. I was really surprised at like how shoddy it looked. But I guess they were like in the midst of, you know, using it between promotions. Because a lot of other promotions have been using this place to shoot their shows. Because I think, 
they can shoot shows there. I don't think Shinkiba is allowing wrestling to go on in their building anymore. Um, but, you know, TAW is like, we own this building. We can do whatever we want. If you want to use it, maybe that's how they're making money in these times, John, that they're just renting out their building to like, you know, their, their, you know, you know, their partner promotions like All Japan and, and some other people as well. So, hey, you know, people got to make a buck any way they can. And this is as good as way as any. Uh, I thought the show was really good in terms of like the length of it. Uh, it, it was like clocked in at about just, you know, about two and a half hours. Uh, most of the undercard, John, like most of the matches are under like 10 minutes, except for the, the evolution versus Dan Tamara and Yoshitatsu match that went about 13. And then that turned into an impromptu singles match between Yoshitatsu and Suwama, which ended in three minutes by DQ. Uh, I mean, I think that's perfect. Have the undercard finish in under 40 minutes. That's perfect. And then just, you know, give time to whatever, if you have a, like a, uh, like a title match or a significant match in the semi main event and then give the, the, the time to your main event, if you, if anything. And, uh, this, the semi main on this was the debut of Russell One's Shotara Shino and, uh, his tag team partner, Yusuke Kodama, who are both in this faction called Les Enfants Terribles, which is like the heel group in, in Russell One. And uh, they're bringing in another person. There's He's the new X that's going to be on the upcoming show, John. But if you see the silhouette of who X is, who's going to be the partner for Shitaro Shino, it's it's very much looks like the uh, the silhouette of one Kuma Arashi, who's mm-hmm. also a member of Les Enfants Terribles. So that's cool. That's, it's like... Like Russell One, it seems to be like dispersing a lot of their talents to all different parts of Japanese wrestling, which I think is a good thing. I think it's great for some of these companies to get their their rosters bolstered. So uh, Seiki Yoshioka from Russell One, he's a junior heavyweight. He went to Noah. Manabu Soya, he went to Noah. He joined Congo, which is like the faction led by Keno. Um, so that's good. And then these two, and along with uh, uh, sorry, with uh, Kumarashi, are gonna bolster up all japan which i think is great because all japan needs more bodies but this is a fun tag team match uh ashino and kodama took on the team of uh takao Mori and his not son hokuto Mori, and they had a fun match and i thought ashino and kodama looked really good they showed off their own unique tag team chemistry in this match and i'm very excited about ashino being in all japan i can see this guy becoming a main event player in this company, John. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the, the, this tag match. Um, we can just go through quickly the the results from the undercard here. We had uh, Yuma Aoyagi defeating uh, Black Menzori in eight twenty five. Aoyagi was coming off that that triple crown match, and I mean just you know some comedy in the early part, and then Aoyagi defeating him with a sunset roll up. Just you know your your standard opener and the result you would expect. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I just. Yeah, grab him some water. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Uh, that's, it, was, it was fine. That's the only analysis we really have to give to, to this match. Uh, it, it was fine. Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto versus Zeus and uh, Izanagi. Is that how you pronounce it? Izanagi. Izanagi. Uh, this one yeah. went uh, 846. And, you know, uh, uh, Zeus in here uh, just uh, made the save, pulling the, uh, the referee down to the floor for the save. This was after uh, Izanagi came off the top. And Jake Lee drilled him with his knee to the ribs that I thought was a, a great-looking spot as he came off the top. And then uh, Izanagi misses and hits his partner Zeus with a chair. Iwamoto forearms the chair into Izanagi, and then Jake Lee drills him with the knee to the chest and got the victory. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, 
I, I don't like this Purple Haze unit now because, like, they're doing a lot of, like, shitty heel stuff, like pulling the ref and, like, doing ref bumps. And it's, like, the kind of stuff I don't like to see in, in Japanese wrestling. That being said, it's a it's a nice, you know, fresh coat of fresh coat of paint on Zeus because I think he was kind of floundering as, you know, he was kind of like your, your, your baby face, you know, guy in the semi-main event. So hopefully this takes him a bit further. We'll see. I, I, do, I do like the new character. I just don't like him doing a lot of, like, shitty heel stuff. But, yeah, it, this was fine. It was fun. I, I like the team of Lee and Iwamoto. I think they have excellent chemistry. I think they're probably my favorite tag team right now in All Japan. Uh, we had... Uh... Shuji Shikawa and uh, Yusuke Okada versus uh, Junakiyama and Yoshihiro Tajiri uh, with Kyohei Wada as the fifth man in the ring. Uh, probably a man that should not be working these shows. I I tweeted out, I was like, why is this man refereeing this match? This is insane. And and our friend Striga from Cage Match and the Eastern Laird, he was just like, well, maybe it's like, you know, some, like Jerry Lawler. He just, like, you can't stop him. They want to come to work. And you can't and you can't stop Kyoi yeah. Water from refereeing these matches. And you, I'm like, you yes, actually you can. you actually can stop them. That's actually your role as a employer that you can absolutely do that. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not trying to like paint Strig in a fat lighter thing. I think he was like joking when he's saying this, but you know, I was just like, you you can totally just tell him stay home, don't come to work. We don't have anything for you. We'll we'll do what we can without you. Please, we'll pay you. Uh, we had Okada miss a splash off the top. Going for Tajiri, who then rolled into this bridging jack- jackknife cover and uh, pinned Okada. Yeah, is it again another sub ten minute match that was perfectly fine for what it was? Um, I like Yusuke Okada, John. This guy is star material in my opinion. Like, and he's going to have a singles match on the next show with Yusuke Kodama. So it's going to be the battle of the Yusukes at the next show, and I'm very excited to see that. Uh, Suama and Hikaru Sato versus Yoshitatsu and uh, Dan Tamora. And I thought that uh, the involvement here, of course, Suama is the, the Triple Crown champion and he was going to be uh, paired up with Yoshitatsu. But it was the involvement of uh, specifically Hikaru Sato, but his involvement with Dan Tamora that I thought really stood out. Um, Sato, I thought, I thought looked really good in this match. And it ended with this uh, uh, DVD by Sato into the uh, arm bar while he's scissoring the arms and got, gets the, the fast tap out. Uh, 13 minutes, two seconds. So our, our only second match on the show that uh, topped 10 minutes on this show. But then, uh, as you mentioned, they peeled off into an impromptu match with Suwama and Yoshitatsu with Suwama getting disqualified. Uh, I can't say I was uh, writing down in my notes right after this. Yes. Suwama Yoshitatsu. Yeah, I was like, oh god, please don't let that be a triple crown match. But that's that's what it felt what like. That's what, and it's, I didn't really understand this impromptu match. After, like, I guess you're doing the DQ, but to me, this did not heat up Yoshitatsu as a uh, challenge that I'm uh, counting down the days until. Well, he didn't look very good getting the shit kicked out of him by Suwama, did he? I was like, yeah, that he's really doing a good job of they're doing a good job making him look like a credible person who can actually defeat Suwama. Like I never thought he could defeat Kento Miyahara, let alone a guy who's like definitely, you know, much bigger and stronger than he is. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, hey, Miyahara worked a miracle and got something good out of Yoshitatsu in their triple crown match. So maybe, possibly, Suwama can do the same. I'm not holding my breath though, John. No, and uh, we'll go over their their next card here. But he's going to be uh, involved with Suama in the uh, the main event of the next show in a, in a tag situation. Um, uh, Takeo Omori and 
uh, Okuto Omori versus Shotaro Ishino. Hokuto. Hokuto. I'm so sorry. Yes. Shotaro Ishino and Yusuke Kodama. Uh, I really enjoyed this match a lot. Um, to me, um, uh, describe the, uh, the, the younger Omori to everybody because this dude, um, first of all, the, the mullet on this kid. So he's one of the young boys along with Dan Tamara in the, you know, the All Japan system right now. And, and he's finally getting a kind of a push, John. He, he's got new gear. He was wearing these god awful looking gray trunks that look just absolutely garbage. Now he's got black trunks and it says the North, the Northern Wolf on his ass now, which I'm like, okay, I, I can do it. I can, I can, I can go with that. That, that's cool. And then he's got this tremendous mullet that, that looks, you know, very nineties, but it's actually, you know, it looks also kind of like ah, oh, it, it fits in 2020 as well. But yeah, he's really. I was very impressed like, with him. He's invo- he's evolved a lot. I think Tamara is also like these two. I've just been growing leaps and bounds. I think because they realize like we're we're next. We're gonna get the undercard push. We're gonna slowly creep up the cards and and become something on our own. And Omori is like someone who I think I didn't have you know much hope for him like maybe a year, year and a half ago. But now I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, okay, he's he's really, something's clicked in this guy, I think. And I think teaming with, you know, Takao Mori, not his father, yeah. uh, is really good, is really good for him. I think this would be actually a really good tag team to have. And I like the dynamic of like a veteran uh, who can like take a, a younger guy under his wing and they could like, you know, balance each other out and have uh, it be an effective tag team. And again, like, you know, did, did Yusuke, Yusuke Kodama, sorry, John, Yusuke Kodama, does he remind you of anyone with the way he wrestles and the way he his, his gear looks? Uh, of Kodama? Oh, d- certainly, like, the Eddie Guerrero influence uh, came across here to me. Yes, definitely. This guy's, like, totally influenced by by Eddie Guerrero. If you watch any of his matches in Wrestle 1, you'd be like, ah. He, even more so than, like, when Ryusuke Taguchi was doing all the Eddie Guerrero stuff. Yeah, Kodama is a... Totally a, an Eddie Guerrero like fan, and it, it shows through his wrestling. He's really good. He started off with uh, in Tajiri's Smash promotion, not the one in Toronto, but the one in Japan. And he's one of those guys that migrated after Smash folded that and went to uh, Wrestle One along with a couple other people. But like, I'm I'm very excited about this guy because I just think he has a unique look. He wears these contact lenses. He's got this crazy looking face, and he's very soft spoken. And I just think it's, a, it's, it's, it, it works for me. The, the, the whole package with Kodama is like something I'm really excited to see in, in all Japan, whether it's in a tag team with Ashino or, or if he's do if he's going to go into the juniors, which I think he is. Yeah. Um, Ashino really shined in here. Uh, with Hokuto just bumping around for him. He got just mangled with the, into the stretch muffler. Um, that, that was a great sequence, uh, giving him the giant swing. And the end saw Ashino pretty much go into the, uh, the Kurt Angle special here with, uh, the ankle lock screaming. And then, uh, as he goes down to the mat with the ankle lock applied, uh, Hokuto taps out at 937. R- really entertaining tag match. And I think that, uh, Hokuto, I, I think is, um, uh, a younger talent to certainly keep your eyes on, and Ashino and Kadama, great additions here. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for like Kumarashi to come in. The other two people I'm hoping they get from Russell One. There's two particular towns. One is his name is Koji Doi. He's a 
you know, larger wrestler, moves around really well. And uh, Jun Toncho, who's like a smaller, younger younger wrestler, who does kind of an homage gimmick to Tetsuya Naito, if you look at his gear. Like, he, he pretty much dresses the same way as Tetsuya Naito, but he's, he, he really benefited from that whole Shima Strong Hearts involvement with Russell One, like, about a year ago, and I'm I'm like cross my fingers that they're they're going to jump to Russell One instead of another promotion, John. And the main event uh, for the All Asian Tag Titles: Asami Kodaka and Yuko Miyamoto defending against Kento Miyahara and one of your favorites, Francesco Akira. And the I mean, this was a very easy match to structure. Beat the shit out of Francesco Akira for a long, long time and build up to Miyahara coming in and firing up and. Uh, Miyahara and uh, Kodaka, uh, Kodaka got involved here, um, where Miyahara ended up getting him into an STF, and that was broken up. Then we had some cool sequences from Akira that ends up with Kodaka in a Fujiwara armbar while he's dr- driving his knee into his back. And towards the end, they're double-teaming Miyamoto. Uh, Akira comes off the top with a Meteora, and Kodaka super kicks him and pins him with this jackknife cover. Like, a bit of a surprising ending here at this point in the match, but uh, this, by far, the uh, lengthiest match on the card, clocking in at 24 minutes, 17 seconds, as uh, the champions retain. Yeah, my my favorite match of the show, I thought it was a really excellent tag match and a, a great defense for the team of Yankee to Kenju, Kodaka and Miyamoto, taking on the team of, you know, Akira Francesco and Kento Miyahara. Um, I, I, I'm really happy to see Kodaka and Miyamoto in All Japan, John, because normally they're deathmatch wrestlers, as you can tell by the state of their bodies, especially Kodaka. But like All Japan is where... You know, the, it was where they don't do death matches, and th- they show like they're you know they're actually pretty good wrestlers when they're just doing straight wrestling matches. Um, so I'm I'm excited for them to, to hold the All Asia Tag Team Titles, and I I'm hoping down the line we're going to see them take on the team of Ashino and Kodama. I think that would be a really good spot for Ashino to start off with as having the All Asia Tag Team Titles. We'll see if that happens. And you know, I we talk about you know Hokuto Omori and Dan Tamara. I'm very high on. Akira Francesco. This has been an excellent get for All Japan. This guy, he's from Italy. His mom's a big, like, Japanophile. That's why his his real name is actually Akira John. That's not some gimmick name. That's his real name. His mother named him Akira because she loves Japanese culture that much. And so he's come over here. He's got a spot in All Japan, and he's just been killing it. I'm hoping, you know, if when you know, wrestling around the world opens up. Like, you're seriously, like, European promotions should book this guy. Like, this guy should be getting a call from, like, Rev RevPro, from OTT, from, like, you know, whoever else in the UK, but also, like, WXW should be looking at this guy. Maybe Triple W over in Spain should be looking at this guy. This guy should be getting booked everywhere. I, I think he's that talented, John. This guy has only been wrestling four years. He's 21. Oh, I... He's already had like some really good to excellent matches with with different people. Like he had the match with Susumu Yokozuka for the you know the junior title that was really good. And and you know you, it's hard to have a bad match with Susumu Yokozuka, but you know Kira kept pace with with him in that match. And twenty one, Jesus Christ, John! Like this guy's you know if everything goes right for this guy, the the world as far as being a junior heavyweight in Japan. Or anywhere in the world, really, is like it's just open for him to just like grab it and, and become a star everywhere. 
So they're back on Tuesday. The top matches, we've got Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa defending the All Japan Tag Titles against Kento Miyahara and Yoshitatsu. Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto against Shotaro Ishino and X, that will likely be Kuma Arashi, and the one you had mentioned, the Battle of the Yusuke's Kodama versus Okada. Yeah, this should be a fun show. I am assuming it's going to be back at 2AW Square in Chiba. Um, yeah, I'll watch it and, you know, uh, you know, probably, you know, we have, if it's not too late, you know, when we next do a podcast, John, maybe we'll talk a little bit about this show if it's, if it's eventful. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, you know, like I said, if All Japan said this is our last show for a while, I'm okay with that, but it's happening. Nothing I can do to stop it. So, I'm, I'm going to watch it and try to enjoy it as, as best as I can. Uh, before we wrap up this month's show, we also want to go back because recently the great Sasuke documentary that came out several years ago uh, was was made available. Um, this was a film produced by uh, Makiko Sasaki, who I know that Chris Charlton interviewed once on a former Japanese audio wrestling show. As yeah, a- I can't remember that episode, but like it, it, you're, you're- – it's ringing something in my memory there, John. Had you watched this before? No, I just never got around to it because I think it's kind of like ties in with what we're going to talk about as far as this documentary goes. It's like he kind of fell off my radar for the most part, John. You know, by the time I got to Japan, like my biggest exposure to Sasuke since, you know, 2011, since by the time I moved here was seeing him walking down like the streets of Sudabashi, which is where the Tokyo Dome is, with two aides wearing a suit and his mask. So I think he was going to the Japanese Diet Building, which is the, the government, the federal government. Uh, you know, I think he was going to a prefectural assembly meeting or, or something. He was doing some kind of business in Japan. But it was just funny. It's like, that's him. Like, I was with Chris Charlton and we were like, is that the great Sasuke? It's like, yeah. He's just walking around in a business suit and his mask, John, on on a Sunday afternoon in Tokyo. And, and I think Wei has that great story where he runs into him in a convenience store in, in Japan as well, wearing the mask. So this is a theme throughout this, this documentary is like this man wears his mask everywhere in public. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of like, I, I don't even know what the equivalent would be here in North America, but for lack of a better comparison, like it's not all that different from like Jim Ross that will travel wearing his cowboy hat and it just is so identifiable with him that it's almost like the spotlight that you're walking around with that people are going to recognize you and i think with great sasuke like this is a man that has a you could argue unhealthy obsession with this industry this is his entire life oh like that from the time like when we in the part of the documentary where he says from the age of 13 god told him to become a professional wrestler john yes god told him god told him and and he's a very devout man because like professional wrestling just consumes his life it seems um you know it's interesting because we get the we we get you know the first-hand account with sasuke but also interviewing like his wife and children who it almost feels like you know, we've kind of just resigned ourselves to the fact that this is his what he has devoted his life to, even though all logic like the his injuries that are mounting up, you know, his age that is, you know, progressing, that this is something that he just cannot walk away from. And it's almost I won't say uncomfortable, but it's it's almost like a we understand that he should not be doing this, but we can't stand in his way. 
So I like the fact that we did have the family to kind of counteract the – like just being a wrestling documentary. It's like you get more of a outsider perspective here from his family that aren't in the industry but very much are attached to it through Sasuke. Yeah, I mean he met his wife while he was on – a tour or excursion in Mexico because she's from Mexico and then, you know, they, they get married and she comes to live in Japan with him in, in Morioka in the northern part of Japan. And I got to think it wasn't an easy thing to not only, you know, up, uproot yourself from Mexico and move to Japan and learn a new life, but to this guy who's always wearing a wrestling mask. <laughs> Um, did he wear it when his children were born? Did, is that the first thing they saw was their, their mother's face? And then this masked man, and it's like, oh, who are you? And then what, what does he do when he takes it off? Do they Are they like, oh, who the hell are you? What are you doing in my house? I'm your dad. Oh, that's what you look like without the mask on. Okay. Like, I, I, I will never in my life be a wrestler. But I would imagine, like, if I was a masked wrestler, I would be, like, I would just love to know that I can perform, I can do all this stuff, and then in the real world, no one's going to know who I am. I can walk in the street like a regular civilian. I would never, ever, ever want that attention the moment I walk out the door. And granted, I mean, I don't think this guy is getting, you know, hounded by people. But it's like just wearing this mask. It's a look at me. Like that is his approach here by deciding to wear this mask. And I think he has, you know, an addiction with this attention that, you know, is, you know, present in many wrestlers. Oh, oh yeah. That's one of the, the key things I take away from this, John, this documentary is like, this man loves being looked at. This man loves attention, which is kind of funny because, you know, one of the stories in the documentary is that he gets arrested, but because he assaults a man for taking a picture of him on the train, it's like, well, he, he saw someone wearing a mask. Of course, he's going to take a picture of him. Like, why would you get upset about that? But it's, it's like kind of this duality you see in Sasuke, like, you know, in this documentary, I, I got two images of this man. One is like this really considerate person that a lot of people respect and are of. And then there's this really the self-destructive side that's really arrogant. And, and, and to be quite honest, during like his campaign, his more recent campaign for perfectual assemblyman for, for the gubernatorial election, I think, for the, to become governor of his region. It's like the carny side of him is really awkward to watch i find it a lot of a lot of how he conducts his campaign is very cringy and the way he talks about himself is like you're, you're a wrestler like yeah you, you 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 got elected to you know local government before but this is a different level and you're, you're you haven't done anything you're not a lawyer you're not you know someone who's done you know council work before like consistently you're a professional wrestler but you think because you're the great sasuke you can save you know, the Toku region, you know, in the aftermath of, of the, you know, 2011 earthquakes and tsunami. And it's, I just really didn't like him in this part of the documentary, John. Yeah. So, I mean, his history, he gets elected when he's part of the Liberal Party in 2003. And then we fast forward to this election. He's no he's an independent at this point. And you really get the sense that without the backing of that party, he feels like a fringe candidate and as they're interviewing like I, I will say this about the portrayal this is hardly a a hero worship piece on great sasuke like they show him in some very unappealing 
um, circumstances and not always in a, in a positive light and speaking to different Japanese citizens like where in the prefecture where he's running that they just feel he's not appropriate, that they're, they don't really take him seriously as a candidate and the ones that do are because they're big fans of his from their childhood or just familiar with his wrestling. But yeah, once – once the polls are coming out and things are not looking good for him, you know, his idea is that he needs to, like, spice things up. He needs he needs to uh, get into a big convertible and just, like, play, you know, the big superstar candidate and have a big ego about his – like, just becoming, like, a total, like, celebrity candidate and just being a worker. Like, that's what it feels like. Well, the best part of that sequence, John, is like he calls somebody, hey, can you bring your Hummer? I think we need a Hummer. I'm going to be in the convertible. <laughs> but if you come behind me in your, in your Hummer, that's going to get more notice. That might that might turn the tide in this election. I love, um, you know, Jinsei Shinzaki is is featured in this a bit. You know, he, of course, like the Michinoku Pro is kind of the, the backdrop here, which was you know founded by Sasuke. And Jinsei Shinzaki then kind of took over the operations of it. But I mean... Shinzaki is not here to just be the, uh, you know, the reassuring confidant. He's just saying, you know, he's got great ideas, but he's sloppy. That's his flaw. <laughs> Man, just <laughs> cutting right to the chase here with his assessment of Sasuke's chances. I think there's one one per- other person who's not a wrestler. I think he's uh, Murata. Oh, he's is this like after the, the election? Uh, it's, it's sometime, I think, near the beginning. He's oh. like, you know, he's a great guy to know. But you don't want to you don't want to be like anywhere too close to him consistently. You don't want to be in his family, essentially, is what he's saying. Like he's good to know, like at a distance. You don't want him to get too close to you because he's probably going to do something to fuck up your life or something in some way or manner. And I just thought, yeah, that's kind of like the impression you get throughout his wrestling history, John, because like, you know, in the 90s, M-Pro, Michinoku Pro is like a hot company and they have an amazing roster there's him there's you know super delphin there's the kaintai deluxe you know dick togo takamichinoku shofunaki minsteo you know uh kaz hayashi is shiryu and like a ton of other people they had an amazing roster john but like all these people left at some point between you know that period and like say the 2000s like kaintai leave you know, because they don't want to work for Sasuke anymore. Delphin leaves. He forms Osaka Pro because they don't want to work with Sasuke anymore. Because I think one thing that does come through as well, like, yeah, he he comes across as really considerate with, like, a lot of charity work he does, especially in the aftermath of the, the, the 2011, you know, earthquakes. But at the same time, this man has a raging ego. And you can tell mm-hmm. it probably manifests itself in the worst possible way as a professional wrestling promoter and booker. Yeah, I think I think that definitely is a, a character trait that gets um that comes across in the documentary. The man, a very difficult scene to watch is after he loses the election and I mean he's right at the bottom. Like he gets he does get over four thousand votes, but nowhere in the running for this. And he's there with his campaign manager and the the media members that are there, like he's in this this packed room and the campaign man- manager just like runs down his candidacy he just says it very matter-of-factly he showcased too much arrogance and sasuke just nods yes i was too arrogant and he says he's mortified by this defeat but it's man this campaign manager just like um just cuts right to it there's no sugarcoating this 
Uh, it's, it's it's very Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> that campaign manager. He's very Japanese. Like he, he's kind of like the boss of Sasuke in this sense. So he doesn't have any problems telling Sasuke, "Hey, you fucked up. You're too you're too much of an asshole." So that's why you lost. Yep. Okay. And he's not going to say anything because this guy was kind of like running his campaign. So he, it's not like this guy works for Sasuke. In this sense, Sasuke works for him. So he's kind of like taking the kind of verbal abuse from him. But it's, it's not wrong, John. The no, guy's no. It's right. like he's, he's not wrong. It's, you know, sometimes refreshing when you get that kind of, you know, unfiltered dissection of, you know, you lost. Let's not let's not sugarcoat this. There's not a whole lot of positive to take from this. And why why was this a failure? Because that's what this was. He finished like at the bottom of these candidates. Yeah, but some of the the positive things I took away from this was like just his wrestling matches. Like I thought the build to his 20th anniversary match where he's challenging at the time uh, Keno, who's now in pro wrestling Noah. Uh, he's the Toku you know, Junior Heavyweight Champion, and Sasuke is going to challenge him one last time for that title. I thought the buildup and showing of that match in the documentary was really well done. I thought the stuff where they're going to wrestle in the elementary school for all these kids and and for their families was really nice to see as well. So like, there's that side to him. I don't want to, you know, like I want to try to be balanced and say like, there's a lot of positive portrayals of Sasuke that I think makes him look good as well. I. I- uh, c- completely agree with you. Like, this is not, y- you don't come out of this and have like a disdain for Sasuke, but I think you get to see the good and the bad. And sometimes, you know, a guy that I-, I would classify it as like an addiction to pro wrestling, but also someone that, I mean, you get to see him, you know, on the phone with ticket buyers and he like goes door to door to deliver tickets to, to fans. Like, he certainly does have this this connection with his fans that he makes a lot of time for as long as you don't sneak a photo of him on the subway and uh, especially that rings true at the end here that you leave this on you know a pretty um, I won't say a high note but it is uh, more so all of his uh, philosophy towards pro wrestling is you know giving giving joy to those people in that watch him and that's really exemplified where he goes to a uh, Hirota Elementary School which is in a city where 7% of the population either died or went missing um after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami and they put on a show for them and you get this surreal moment where Sasuke is training or getting ready for his match and one of the child the, the one of the child uh, children that is there points out his scars and he's explaining what happened with a fluorescent light tube spot and the kids are just in awe of this man and he says i was reminded the ring is where i belong this is my life and he's going to dedicate his life uh to this prefecture and his country he will not run for office ever again yeah and and i just that's just (laughs) It calculates this man to me is like him explaining, yeah, yeah, I got stabbed with a fluorescent light tube there. I got all these scars. He's like posing for them. They're all like in like and I think this is the part where he's most alive. It's like I'm a hero. These kids think I'm cool. Like, oh, my God, this is. Yeah, I think that's like, you know, this I don't think it's like a a light bulb went over his head. I just think the the switch kind of turned back on after a while for him. A fluorescent light tube went off. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Um, I, I, I like, you know, when he's in the ring and, you know, when when he's 
doing something that's not about him necessarily. It's about you know doing something nice for these kids and their families, and that that's I'm glad it ends off with that. And also, like we got to talk about, it actually ends off with them holding a a wrestling event in a shopping mall, John. Yeah, and it's packed. It is packed for the show. And again, it's like that is something that I think a lot. You know, when we look at, at wrestlers and especially ones that try to get out of wrestling, that you see scenes like this where they are treated like heroes inside of this ring and then outside of this world, you know, here's a guy that is struggling so much to be uh, relevant in some other line of work that, you know, sometimes it's having those those conflicting environments that, you know, you you wonder why people continue to wrestle and put themselves in this situation where they are they are worshipped. And that's kind of how you you see like what this guy puts himself through. It's it's for moments like this where, hey, I'm in a shopping mall and everyone's got their eyes on me for fifteen minutes. Okay. Can I ask you, John, did you notice near near the beginning of this documentary, like he's coming out to the ring and he's doing kind of a black swan gimmick? Uh yes. I imagine he's a big fan of like the works of a uh, director Darren Aronofsky because like he was doing a Randy the Ram like gimmick at some point in his career as well after the wrestler came out where he was like doing the Ramjet stuff. He did it. He did that move at the at the Tokyo Dome during Liger's retirement match maybe, on the first night. Maybe he should have been the one to win the ROH title instead of uh, Jerry Lynn that year. I totally think that that's what should have happened. But, like, I'm just hoping he never does a wrestling gimmick based on uh, Requiem for a Dream. That's just, like, I just skip that. Skip Mother. You don't want to make a wrestling character out of that movie either. Just go to, like, the, you know, the maybe the, the Russell Crowe Noah's Ark movie that he, Aronofsky did. And just build a character around that as, as your next, you know, maybe he can do that at Joey Janela's Spring Break 2022, John. And the documentary, it bookends with the song that they play at the beginning of the Michinoku Pro Shows, where the lyrics are, My life is a losing ticket. My wife and kids left me. My only home is a wrestling ring. Even if I lose again and again, I always rise up. The song is called My Ocean. I, I, I watched the, the entire credit sequence just to find the, the name of the song. Tremendous song, John. Tremendous song. <laughs> Nothing that gets you in the, mo- in the mood for a pro wrestling show than, uh, than My Ocean. <laughs> well, John, like I'm going to say this. If, if I became a wrestler, this would be my uh, entrance theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, an interesting documentary for, for sure to get uh, a sense of uh, great Sasuke who – I mean, it's it's interesting to to watch this documentary and then uh, getting to see him a few years ago at Spring Break, where he was he was absolutely the biggest star on that show, and ends at four in the morning, and he's doing karaoke, singing John Bon Jovi with Joey Janela, and this crowd is just eating it up. They they love great Sasuke. So did did this kind of like um, you know kind of embellish like your impression of? That time that you and Wei got to see him at at Janela's Spring Break, where he, like you're saying, he was the biggest star. Like, look, watching this documentary, do you did your mind go back to that event and think, okay, I see that totally from my memories of that match of seeing him at Joe Janela's Spring Break. I it, it certainly made me realize that as much as the audience there was, um, you know, certainly to see Great Sasuke live is you know a big deal for people that had grown up watching him, but. At the end of this, I realized it was a way bigger deal for Great Sasuke than probably anyone in the crowd. That that was uh, that was just fuel for this guy, and also making it uh, perfectly understandable why this guy at the Tokyo Dome said, "You know what? Tonight I'm doing a swanton onto the edge of the apron." <laughs> <laughs> 
that that the camera exactly. will miss. <laughs> exactly. It he all made it, it all made sense. He had to get the attention on himself, even in something designed to be Liger's, you know, something spotlighting Liger. But, hey, you know, that's the great task. I'm, I'm sure Liger was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he can do that. I don't care. I'm not taking that bump. He can take the bump. I, he's fine. But, um, yeah, this is this is definitely well worth going your way to see. It's it's available for free on YouTube. It was uploaded by by the director and producer of this so i i would recommend it wholeheartedly for those of you who were fans of him before maybe those of you who aren't familiar with him but saw him at joey janela's spring break definitely something to get an idea of like you know what the great sasuke is like but also you know what john i think it's a it's a really good like kind of you know peek into japanese culture as far as like you know the way they do elections around here it's really obnoxious i hate election season because people candidates will go around in trucks with the with a megaphone or or a PA system and just like talk about their their platform and I fucking hate it and I just like oh it's it's election season ah it just drives me nuts for like the month that these people are allowed to just go around at all times of the day John and just like be annoying with their their fucking platforms on their PA systems but yeah it's 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 an interesting look at Japanese culture in in some ex- in some ways as well. Yeah, it's it's only 70 minutes. It's a it's a very, you know, especially if you're familiar with Great Sasuke, I think it's a, a very interesting insight uh, into him. So yeah, as WH mentioned, you can find it easily on YouTube. And that's going to bring an end to this month's edition of the show. But we have a, a few announcements to make here at the end of the show. The first being, I teased it earlier this week, the first ever post-ProRes contest, which we are <sighs> going to be running over... The next month and WH, we are seeking a theme song. Yes. I'm very jealous of like the different theme songs you and Way have. And I'm just like, I want a theme song. So I I, I, I messaged you and, and Way and I said, what do these guys think about maybe having a contest? And you're like, okay, yeah, let's just wait a while. Because you, you, I asked you kind of like soon after you guys got the Rewind a Dynamite theme song. So I was like, yeah, definitely. We could give it some time and let it breathe. Okay. So we're we're doing that now and and I want, you know, like I want something that's like captures the the spirit of the show um and that's catchy and please don't do anything with flutes or wind chimes. I'm I'm not really looking for that cuz that's kind of racist. So don't do that. Please don't do WCW 1990s Japanese themes or WWF 1990s Japanese themes. I'm that's not what I'm looking for. Do something that captures the spirit. If you want to make it sound something like J-Rock or or J-pop, that's fine. But you know, like, do something like people who are who are going to participate. Just do something that you feel is going to capture how you feel about the show. It's the best thing I can say. So what we're going to do? Uh, I'm going to put a, a thread up at forum.postwrestling.com, and we'll we'll run the contest over the next month. Uh, I would suggest. Um, Try and keep it to, I would say, 45 seconds or less um, because this is going to start off the show uh, each each month. So we, we don't need like a like a, a six minute ballad or anything like that. So uh, keep it keep it short and we'll go through the submissions next month, providing that there are uh, submissions out there. So we're, we're looking forward to hearing from everybody. Uh, don't be uh, don't be uh, too conscientious about, uh, you know, we, we don't need uh master quality or anything out that take your best chance and we look forward to listening to all the submissions i'm I'm hoping for a a 45 second version of like something akin to my ocean john 
any everything is is out there. If you want to strap on the ukulele, uh, then go for it. Maybe maybe Way will make a submission with his ukulele that you can see in his background on the cafe hangout. I might have mentioned this to uh, to our good friend Braden Harrington, John. He he might be getting out his beat machine to Ooh. maybe uh, submit something. But we need, you know, like that'd be cool. I, I would love to hear something from Braden. I think he's very talented as far as the beats go, and and, and everything else he does, of course, as well. So that um, we will have a winner. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the submissions on, on next month's show as well next month. Uh, I don't know how much wrestling will be happening over the next month. I'm sure there will be stuff to talk about. Um, but one thing I want to talk about on our next show, it will mark 20 years since the formation of pro wrestling Noah and the mass exodus of talent uh, led by Mitsuharu Masawa from all Japan over to forming Noah and what went into that. Um, the fallout of how long this was in the works after Baba passed away and how the television network came into the equation as well. There, there's a lot um, that we can dive into next month talking about um, how Noah formed in the spring of 2000. Yeah, maybe like we can give our you know top three Noah matches of the Misawa era, John. Like just like from its formation to up until the passing of Misawa. Like I think that might be a, a good thing as well. Just like these are the three essential matches of pro wrestling Noah that you should watch. For sure, yes, that looks uh, that's a great idea for next month's uh, show. And the final thing uh, for those that did not catch uh, the final Thunderstruck, uh, what are you, you're missing out, but. WH, your next series, uh, you teased it on the, on the last show. Um, can you just let us know about what you're going to be documenting next here at Post Wrestling? So I'm, I'm going to do a monthly series, John. Um, once a month, I'm going to look at the, the era of All Japan Pro Wrestling during the 1990s, the, the Four Pillars era, if you will. And I'm going to look at, you know, kind of do profile pieces and look at doing match reviews, uh, I'm going to have guest hosts who are going to pick the matches, a, a similar format to like what we did with, with Thunderstruck. Um, but like, it's not just going to be about match reviews, John, like I, like the first episode. So I'm, I'm scheduled to record it this month with uh, a video essayist by the name of Joseph Monticello, who does these excellent video essays on YouTube, check his channel out. And he does a sub channel about uh, all Japan pro wrestling of this era too, called walking the King's road. And my show is going to be called uh, the long and winding Royal Road, because the Royal Road is the the name of the style. Like strong style is uh, synonymous with the style of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Royal Road, King's Road, is synonymous with All Japan Pro Wrestling of the Baba era of you know Jumbo Suruda, Jinichiro Tenryu, Stan Hansen, Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, Tawei, Doctor Dusty Williams, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, the Can Am Express, and all these other multitude of you know incredibly talented wrestlers. This is my favorite era. Of professional wrestling, John. 1990s All Japan and and 1990s New Japan Junior Heavyweight Wrestling. These are the things that stick with me. That that make me happy. That if I ran a wrestling promotion, that's a wrestling promotion that I would run. And so we're gonna do that monthly. Every month we're gonna look at some aspect of All Japan of this era. The first episode is gonna be about the formation of the Triple Crown. The the kind of the the key piece of you know a lot of these great matches is like battles over you know who's going to become the triple crown champion so we're going to look at the matches that formed the triple crown like the history behind the the formation why baba decided to take these three titles and create one title and just like talk about the greatness of one jumbo suruda as well who doesn't factor in 
too heavily into like the series going forward necessarily. Um, but like, you got to give some love to Jumbo Saruta in, in, in this series, John. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this series because it's such a, uh, it's such an influential period, uh, in the industry and among fans that as well, um, you know, all the, all the matches are out there, but I'm looking forward to this series where you can really shine a light on, on certain points that are, are great to direct people to because, you know, that, that glory period of all Japan, it doesn't have that one central hub that you can go to that, you know, all Japan can provide you just because of the, the, the rights issues with that. But I mean, the matches are out there and this show can serve as a great guide of how to navigate what's out there. Yeah, and and one of my things is like I don't just want to talk about matches. Like I said, I want to I want to have episodes where I just talk about you know Misawa. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about Kawada. I want to talk about Stan Hansen. I already have like my ideas of who I want to have as guests for for these shows as well. Like like you know if I can finagle it, I want to you know get definitely get our our good friend Dan Demuffelbranski on for one of these shows because like he knows so much about this era as well. But I'm I'm looking at like past guests of both. You know, Cruel Summer and Thunderstruck to come back to this show. I'm also looking at new people, like, for example, Joseph Monticello, who I think is going to be a great guest on the first episode. And yeah, like, I'm, I'm really excited, like, and, and I'm not going to overextend myself. And the thing about this, John, it's, it's a monthly show. This thing could last forever. Well, WH, you have a lifetime contract. You're aware of that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to get out of it, but. Yeah, I'm aware of that, John. Well, WH, we very much look forward to uh, your upcoming series. And again, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks' time with uh, with the June edition of Post Pro Res, uh, looking at uh, the formation of Noah and the theme song contest. So go to forum.postwrestling.com. I'll have all the details up there, and then you can uh, upload your submissions, and we'll go through those. So uh, have an enjoyable month, and we'll speak with you next time on Post Pro Res. <laughs>